0: Hello, boys and ghouls. In this episode, we explore movies that feature the devil, Beelzebub, Satan, the author of evil, the prince of pandemonium, Old Gooseberry. So please, won't you join us for a devilish good time as we bring you episode number 12 of Boys and Ghouls. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead, zombies, exploding heads,
1: psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires?
0: I know that one of you is a werewolf.
1: Ain't nothing but dead people. I want to kill so, our... You're you talking to a good. corpse. Satan is our pal. Round oh, the
0: third switch. Look! The third switch. Give
1: my creation, life! Well, pin have an unobservant rose on my nose.
0: Um, I think I may have worn it around you, but with like an overshirt, so you've only seen like... like yeah, don't do blame that. me. Yeah.
1: What am I supposed to do with that? I can't see anything.
0: Um, hey, Kat.
1: Hey, Marshall.
0: One thing that we've avoided talking with each other about is um, that we went to a horror trivia night.
1: Yeah, we have not debriefed much on this yet. (laughs) It was Uh, was a little bit ago, too.
0: For the listeners, Kat and I uh, went to a horror movie trivia night. And um, we lost pretty bad.
1: We got our our little butts handed to us. By the way, this was at the uh, Jump Cut Cafe in in uh, Studio City for those local SoCal listeners. It was a super fun night, but yeah, we it's not like we expected to win, though. No. We walked into it knowing.
0: Well, we knew that we knew horror movie stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there, there was some stuff we just we could only just we just left a blank.
1: Yeah. It's we true. have no idea. Well, I mean, the, the caliber... Well, first of all, there's kind of that humbling experience of you heard about this thing, you told me about it. I was like, yeah, sure, I'll come. You show yeah. up before I do. And they're like, you're pre-registered, right? And you were like, huh? <laughs> and they pity let us into the competition because there were only two of us. And all the other teams had like six, seven, eight people. Yeah. And we were like, Oh, so this is how embarrassing this is going to be. Right. Um, it was fun, but it's like, I mean, for example, what was the question? Um, it was in the category to the French extreme it was about French extreme horror films, which Marshall and I are not incredibly well versed in.
0: Yeah. We um, haven't had our French extreme episode yet. No. no. Yes.
1: Yeah, stay tuned. But the question was like this French film from 1930 something or another, the story was actually written by two Spanish artists named both of them, which to our credit, we we both knew one of the artists only because we could, the first Spanish artist that comes to mind is Salvador Dali. Oh
0: wait, no, that one I actually knew from film school. You
1: had the second one? Yeah. I thought we only got the the no, one No, right. no,
0: we got the one. It was ah, Dali and bunuel That's
1: right. You were great. Anyway. Even that though, one we
0: got, but you know what? Even though
1: we got it, that you have to admit, that's a really obscure we question. Got
0: like a third of the questions, all told. Yeah, would you say? I'd say
1: that's probably accurate. And our team
0: was about a third the size of most of the teams. That's right. But the people competing in this and the people hosting it are heavily involved with. You want to call it the horror scene? The
1: horror scene. Well, yeah. And then the people, people hosting it are employed. Like, who they make their living on this. I mean, this event was hosted by Fangoria and shocktillyoudrop.com. So, like, these, these are legitimate. These people who came in to host it, like, this is how they make their living. They write articles for the website. They run, you know. Yeah. So, they're...
0: And then just for fun... They thought, oh, I'll hold a trivia night. Mm-hmm. The one that we attended was only the second one ever. Right. The first time they did it was was a month before, and they had to turn people away. Not because there was too many people, like, not enough prizes, but because there was too many people for the fire code.
1: Yeah, not enough space. Like,
0: they couldn't just legally fit that many people into the building. Because
1: this place is pretty small. But, I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, you just don't want to underestimate horror fans. I mean, just the things that the questions that would come up that were so incredibly obscure that we were like, how... I mean, many of the other teams were immediately, like, they just, they knew so many of these obscure facts, which kind of led us to, and definitely me too, and we talked briefly about it after, but just sort of a self-examination. Like, we have been doing, for a year now, a podcast, uh, we're asking people to listen to about horror, and yet... At a horror trivia night, we're only getting, what, a third of the, of the a, answer's correct. for. to do us. But, you know, I mean, I made the point then. I've ruminated on it a little bit since then.
0: I had, to do, I, I had to do a lot of thinking.
1: Yeah, and I feel the same way I did afterwards. And I don't believe it's just me trying to justify my lack of knowledge. It's, I mean, I think it's great for people who are passionate and know a lot of really obscure facts. But that's not what we're offering at Boys and Ghouls. What we're offering is, we are a warm and engaging duo. Okay. Right. That's our little tagline. Read the line.
0: tagline. Warm and engaging duo but right here. we're,
1: you know, we offer our perspectives. We love the genre. We bring information together that, I mean, I've learned so many fun things through doing research for this podcast. And it's fun to share it with people. Fun trivia that's not like, you know, what's this guy's middle name? It's, it's, it's I think it's from the heart. All right. And that's why I think... We shouldn't feel badly shouldn't about beat not up knowing the tiny, obscure minutia, unless you're trying to win a horror trivia night. In which case, yeah, you, you'll go on with a lot not. of DVDs. Which Th- that we was did... a prize. Yeah. Prizes. Tons of DVDs.
0: I'd like to just paint a picture of the place. First of all, uh, it's a coffee shop that's pretty new. That it's trying to be like a cinema coffee shop. Yeah. And so they're just getting started with things like this, which was uh, nice.
1: They're going to do screenings from time to time of like short films.
0: And the people there for this event, not a lot of girls.
1: Nope. I was definitely in the minority. You're like one of
0: like four girls there. Uh-huh. A lot of guys with a lot of knowledge, a lot of cool shirts.
1: A lot of cool shirts.
0: I used the evening to uh, premiere my new Lost Boys shirt that I ordered offline. It
1: was pretty sweet. It was
0: one of those things where I was like, I wonder if this exists. Type it up. Oh, it does. There it I'll is. I'll buy one, please. Uh, which is, I wondered if there was a Santa Carla Murder Capital of the World t-shirt. It turns out there's several. Yeah. I, I, I could choose which company I wanted to go with. Yep.
1: And you fit right in. Everybody had their, their hip horror shirts on. Yep. And they were, I don't want to oh. make it sound like anyone was being elitist. I mean, every the people no, were really nice. friendly. And here's, so.
0: here's how friendly. One, before you showed up and it was just me sitting there, like a boy waiting for his mom to come pick him up from school. Yeah. Concerned she might not show up. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I was just sitting there next to an empty chair, and a few groups uh, invited me to join them. That's just like, real sweet. Like, sight unseen. Like, like they didn't know me from anybody. Yeah. But they were like, come join our group. And I was like, no, no, she'll come. She'll be yeah. here. She said she would.
1: She promised.
0: She was just traffic, you know? <laughs> and then, I don't know if you were there yet or not, but they found $30 by the, the coffee bar. No,
1: I wasn't, but you told me about this. Yeah.
0: They they just made an announcement. They are like, hey, everybody, we found 30 bucks by the coffee bar. And it's not like... A room full of people were like, hey, that's mine. That's my money. Over here. You know, nobody went for Silence. it.
1: Yeah. Except
0: for then, like, one guy was like, oh, it fell out of my money clip.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: nobody debated it or refuted it. Or, you know. Aww. Everyone was like, somebody lost money. And everyone was like, well, let's find out who.
1: That's pretty cute.
0: So, it's a nice scene. I'd recommend it to people, except they seem to be full.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: You know, I'd like to go on here and be like, hey, if you're in the SoCal area, check it out. Yeah. And do well, check right. out the Jump Cut Cafe. It seems like a nice place. What yeah, do?
1: yeah. The, the With a good what, mission. what appeared to be the owner was there, and he seemed like a really great guy, and he was excited to do this and promote this kind of event. And he, yeah. Yeah, he seemed really nice. He
0: said, uh, I'd like And the to... coffee
1: I had was fantastic.
0: Good. I had some macaroni and cheese. It was delightful. Yeah. There you go. So, yeah. Check it out. Chances are, though, they're filled to the rafters. Yeah. But you know what? We got in. We did. For the next one, try to follow them on Facebook if you're in the area. So you can get in on some uh, pre-registry, because that's the way to do it. Yep. Either uh, pre-register or show up like some kind of sad puppy and only have two people, and then they let you in because they feel sorry for you.
1: Yeah. But then if all of you do that, it won't work.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, all the teams were sort of jammed in close to each other, and the way they work is you know, they read nine questions. The best that we did was eight out of nine. Yeah. And, I was pretty
1: proud of us on that one.
0: And on that one, they're like, well, there's a three-way tie. And I was like, oh, well. We just
1: knew we could have been. We could
0: have been one of those guys. And they're like, nope.
1: Nope.
0: We were none of the three, which means there's three teams that got nine out of nine.
1: Three teams got every single answer
0: right. Now, because we're in such close quarters, I didn't want anyone to copy our answers. So what I did was I would write down the answers I knew like on the little scratch pad and then show them to Kat. We
1: had quite the system. <laughs>
0: and then Kat would agree or disagree. And then she yeah. was the official penman
1: yep.
0: of this group. So I've still got my scratch pad. So let's.
1: Oh, fun.
0: Let's see uh, some of the ones I might have known. Well, first of all, I wrote down your order. It was a uh, non fat vanilla latte.
1: It was um, iced.
0: Iced. It was well, you said cold if possible. I
1: did say cold if possible. And I
0: don't know from coffee drinks. So I just went up and I was like, uh, can I have a non fat vanilla latte? And in... can that be cold? And they went, you mean an iced latte? <laughs> Oh oh you do that? I Yeah, one of those. I
1: didn't set you up on purpose, I promise.
0: Right. <laughs> I wrote here um Frederick March. They they ask a question whose answer was Frederick March. Yep. I think that was uh original Dr. Jekyll.
1: Mm-hmm. That's what that was.
0: Or from a certain year. Um where did uh Katu Vrata Niktu come from originally?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The day of the Earth Stood Still.
1: Yeah, that was impressive.
0: Clea Duval. Was a, was an answer.
1: Who was in Argo and was also in, uh, in the, the faculty, faculty. Right. Which we got that one right. Which we yeah.
0: discuss in our Hack to School episode.
1: hmm
0: Here I wrote down and then showed you the words Ray Milland, uh, who was the man with the X-ray eyes. I um, don't want
1: this to sound like Marshall got all the answers. I had, I did get a couple on my own.
0: Oh, she totally did, <laughs> uh, because I've never <laughs> seen the good son.
1: Yeah. Marshall got, got most of them, but...
0: Okay, and then I just wrote, like, girl from near dark. I didn't know that one. But that was the answer.
1: Yeah, it was. I was
0: really hoping you could have pulled that one out. Nope. Uh, what was the, the name of the, the girl from uh, uh, Night of the Comet? Uh, it was Regina.
1: Regina. I wrote
0: down Regina George, and you're like, that's from Mean Girls. <laughs> and I was like, it could be both. It wasn't it, both.
1: Nope. It could have been, though.
0: But the, the, uh, the one question of the night I was super proud of, because I, like, I had to plumb the depths of my memory for what was Newt's... Newt from the movie Aliens, what was her uh, real name?
1: You did pull that right out. I
0: I did. And I was like, I can see, like, the trophy. It was like a spelling bee trophy or something. Because they wanted to, like, show what she looked like like before she was all dirty and spelling. And I was like, and it says, it says, Rebecca! And it was... Brilliant moment. Ah, that felt good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so... But uh, a good evening,
0: and uh, if we can get back there, we will. Yeah. I, I ran into uh, a guy from the winning team, Monster Squad. By the way, everyone's got cool, cool names. Oh yeah. There's a Monster Squad, and um, they were the winners that night. And uh,
1: something Zombie Redneck Family. That
0: was from uh, Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Like, like, lots right. of cool references. Thunder Buddies did pretty well. Yeah. We were Team Boys and Ghouls, which uh, big, was big shock there. Was met with a, a smattering of applause.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was
0: like, "Hey, everybody, appreciate my cleverness."
1: Yeah, come clap, on.
0: Clap, clap. <laughs> cricket, cricket. Yeah if I ever can't have you as as a partner a member of monster squad said they would take me in.
1: Wow. So. Defector.
0: <laughs> so yeah.
1: I I know we've we've already got just just loads of gab.
0: Tons i men- of gab.
1: I mentioned that I was cast in an adaptation of a Stephen King short story, The Boogeyman. Yes. I filmed my scene for The Boogeyman just this past Sunday night just uh, and um got to go on location to this like family restaurant in Altadena. There was nothing necessarily spooky that happened on set or anything. It wasn't like a, a creepy scene I was filming, but it was fun, and it's exciting to now be able to kind of attach something associated with Stephen King to myself in some abstract way. Sure. But we had a table reading before anyone shot any scenes, and I got to meet the other actors in the movie, even though most of them I wouldn't be working with, because they were in different scenes. Sure. And one of which was Maria Olsen, who I actually posted a picture on, on our page of. And it was really cool to meet her. She's been in a ton of really weird, bizarre horror stuff. Most notably, and this isn't horror, but in uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, the the first Percy Jackson movie that came out. Didn't she, see it. Well, but you probably saw her because she was in the trailer. She's his teacher, Mrs. Dodd, I think. She also plays Fury. She turns into this huge, scary beast.
0: For our horror fans, might know her from...
1: Diner. <laughs> Look it up. Oh, uh, oh wait.
0: I, okay, so, so not Diner by Barry Levinson.
1: Die, dash, N-E-R, okay. get it?
0: Not the one with Paul Reiser and Mickey Rourke? Negative. Not the one with Daniel Stern? Nope. Okay, no, so this, Diner, no, is Diner.
1: Actually, in fact, I looked at the movie poster, and it says, Diner, in parentheses, get it?
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> on the movie poster, which I think is really funny. And she was also in Paranormal Activity 3. Um, She had a small part in that. Just an overall, I mean, nicest woman ever. She's from South Africa and she's got her hand in a million pots like all the time. She's always working on something and she's always in prosthetics. If you like horror, you should really go like her Facebook page. She has a lot of um, Maria Olson, by the way, mention her name again. She posts a lot of really fun stuff and she's just, she's just all over that scene. So that was really fun because she's just, she's telling me stories about some of the makeup she's had to be put in and, you know. It's just uh, she. She's got a really fun resume to look at. It's just a lot of really obscure horror. Awesome. So that was cool. I
0: would sit in my rocking chair, peacefully rocking there, counting my blessings by the score. The rack wasn't fashion. The plagues were my passion. Each day held a new joy in store. Was
1: anybody happy? I see
0: cannibals.
1: Uh Marshall, are you scared yet about uh, our topic?
0: Our topic, which is the devil
1: do you feel like we're playing with fire i mean we already did bloody mary in front of a mirror and escaped so far scot-free
0: i did stay up late last night just looking at devil stuff on the internet
1: oh boy and
0: i was like here's how it begins In a lot of crappy movies.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, well, you know, we're joking about it because it's it's funny to me. But there are a lot of people in this world who think that even opening a conversation about the devil or Satan, just speaking about it is dangerous. Like, we're opening up, like, the fabric of spirituality or something and it kind of inviting yeah. the presence in in whatever abstract whatever that means i mean there are people who truly like i mean even i was talking to my mom about this and she was like oh gosh you guys be careful I'm like what do you mean well first of all
0: how can we be careful
1: i know in, in, in the
0: sense that is there something if like can we face east right now or put some No, I think up, what
1: we can do is not or, we should just discontinue and not continue this podcast how and then about invoke some, some more omnipresent and pleasant spirit.
0: We'll do the podcast, but we'll just lead good lives.
1: Oh. Outside okay. of that. That is you so know? much more simple.
0: We'll just be good people.
1: Oh great. Cool. Yeah. That yeah. should
0: <laughs> I feel comfortable with
1: that. <laughs> Neat. Um you so know, yeah, we're we're talking about the devil.
0: You know we haven't done yet. Uh, what? Introduced ourselves. Hey, all right. Uh, hey everybody, I'm Marshall Hicks.
1: I'm Kat Knipe.
0: And on this episode of Boys and Ghouls, the subject is the devil.
1: The devil. Satan. Satan,
0: El Diablo. Mrs. Le
1: Diablo.
0: Old Scratch. <laughs> a lot of uh, of names that I didn't write down.
1: Yeah, well I, you I, pulled I was, several. I was, I was just going to
0: read a bunch off.
1: You pulled them out of your brain. Well, I think we've just illustrated one thing about the devil in modern society, which I think is really interesting, which is there's this kind of dichotomy. People either have like a weird reverence for and take very seriously the idea of Satan and the devil as a malevolent spirit who actually has power to do bad things. It's demonic. And then, way on the other side of the spectrum, it's it's a joke. It's funny. I mean, we make movies where Elizabeth Hurley plays the devil.
0: Uh, that I watched in preparation. for You this. did
1: not. That's right here? I've never seen it. Bedazzled. Yeah. Bam, oh my bedazzled. goodness. Two <laughs> thousand. Look at that cleavage. Good lord. Oh, yeah, they're so all
0: smushed up against Brandon beautiful. Fraser.
1: But she does. She looks beautiful. Oh, and it is hellaciously funny if you listen to the DVD cover. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, it's this weird combination. You've got people who, who have a, almost respect, like they don't want to talk about it, they think it's just dangerous. And sure. then then on the other hand, he's such a comical figure in so yeah. much of our media, you know?
0: I did a little bit of a research into him as a comical figure insofar as something I heard once and then I went to Wikipedia to see if it was actually a thing. Yeah. Which is that morality plays. Back in the, I believe, 1600s, like 13 through 16. Mm -hmm. So people would go see them and man would be represented as every man and he would be tempted into something and then have to overcome it and we would all learn a moral. Right. In the morality plays. And sometimes Satan was a character and then Satan had a sidekick called Vice Mm -hmm. and toward the end of the run of the heyday of morality plays, the Satan part would get kind of bigger and bigger. And become farcical. Yeah, a lot of uh, humor started being added to the part of Satan, and would, was a big crowd pleaser
1: because
0: mm-hmm. one, everybody likes something funny, and two, I think people would like to take the concept of the devil and really, you know, make him goofy and less scary. Yes, it, I think is a, a natural impulse. Yes, and then that kind of marked the end of the heyday of morality plays mm-hmm. when. when funny devil started taking <laughs> over the uh, adventures of every man.
1: Yeah. What motivation is there to walk the straight and narrow when the scary force isn't so scary anymore?
0: I guess I like to minimize the concept of the devil just so I can maximize the concept of, I forgot the word I was thinking of. Not self-responsibility. Self. You take credit for your own actions.
1: I think just responsibility. I think that works.
0: Self-responsibility. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. As, as opposed to saying, the devil made me do it. Oh, this or, is... Or the idea that the devil made me do anything.
1: Absolutely. Or, you know, one of the one of the things I thought a lot about when I was preparing for this, you know, as you know, I grew up in the South, in North Carolina and Georgia, and I was in church a lot and around a lot of religious people, and there's this idea that when you lose your patience, when you think bad thoughts, when you... Just anything. Yeah. Including, right down to the most banal minutiae of life, like... Truly, like, I've I've snapped at my husband. Well, that's the devil on my shoulder just working on me, you know? I mean, I find it absurd that the devil, this all-powerful overlord of the netherworld, who wants to gain control of the entire planet, or whatever, whatever you find his motivation to be, in whatever text you're reading or person you're listening to... Really cares if you lose your patience with your husband or your children, or if you have an unpure thought about like does really that's the devil's hand? No, no. that's you. You're making you're a person making a decision.
0: <laughs> if you, if you credit God with helping you maintain your patience, right, then it's it's a pretty easy to say. Well, then the devil's making me lose it.
1: Sure. And I guess I agree. I see that. And I guess by that token, it's kind of the same concept that exists in, I guess, movies like The Exorcism of Emily Rose, other movies where because the devil exists or because a demon exists, well then, yes, that's horrible. But doesn't that mean God exists? You know, that you can kind of go with that logic. And I guess in a sense that can be comforting or something.
0: Now, I didn't get to church really at all
1: right except for the double funeral you went to
0: yeah that that was was a head scratcher (laughs) so most of my concepts of the devil came from movies uh growing up and the the tact we're going to take with this uh, particular episode we sent back and forth some emails i said less so much possession not so much antichrist but movies with an actual personification yeah of the devil. Keep
1: it specific.
0: To which, I have several movies, only a couple of which are horror. Mostly are, are comedies. Mostly are 80s comedies.
1: I'll bring the horror then.
0: Because, well, one, it was those 80s comedies that I was watching growing up. Thank you, HBO. Yeah. Which formed my concept of the devil. They got to me uh, first. You know, <laughs> yeah. They, they, they're the ones that planted the flag. Oh,
1: yeah. say so church got to me first. So, I had less of an For... initial comic yeah. view of the devil. Mm. I do now, but...
0: I'll get into uh, the ones that yeah, got to me as, let's, as this let's podcast hear progresses. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess first of all, "Oh God, you devil!"
1: I you're gonna have to enlighten me. Okay.
0: Do you know the "Oh God" movies? No. The "Oh God" movies are George Burns <gasps> as God, who makes himself known to in the first one, uh, John Denver, oh. and he's like, "You got to get the word out about me," and then he does, and people think he's crazy and. Then, Oh God, book two, he presents himself to uh, a young girl who starts like a campaign called Think God. And part three was Oh God, You Devil, where George Burns, uh, who at the time was about 87 years old, still had a few movies ahead of him because he lived to be 100. He played the devil and God. And in, in that, the concept of signing a contract and selling your soul for something was presented, which was, in this case... A musician sold his soul so he could become a rock star. Yeah. And he becomes a rock star. It's an
1: age-old story.
0: But then he gets second thoughts. And then it's the devil who lets him know, oh, yeah, there's a God. I know him. Uh, he's not around much. <laughs> and then he goes on a search for God, like a, an actual search for actual God. Yeah. Finds him in Vegas. And then God and the devil, in a, like a nice split screen, has a game of cards uh, for his soul. George Burns and George Burns in Oh God, You Devil. So that was part of my early education of the devil. Wow. Which includes a couple of things. Well, first of all, I mean, I, I knew some basics. God, the devil, Jesus, Christmas, Easter. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else do you need to know? Well, George Burns, as the devil, says, uh, if I didn't exist, God would have had to make me up. I make him look good. And I was like,
1: Ooh, that's, that is inflammatory.
0: And then, and then later tries like a kind of a parting blow. He loses, by the way, the card game, the devil loses.
1: Well, of course the devil loses.
0: And tries to give sort of a parting shot to God. Um, and says like, you'd be lost without me. I wrote this down. I'm just reading directly. Uh, you'd be lost without me. What would you do if I closed up shop? And, uh, God was like, I'd manage, but still the concept of it, the, the idea that God would need the devil. Yeah. Uh, struck me as like, wow. Mm-hmm. So that was one thing from Oh God, You Devil, and the other is something I completely misunderstood.
1: I can't wait. Well,
0: when they sit down to play a hand of poker for the for not only his soul but like the souls of some others get thrown in, and they say no tricks, and they're like, of course, other, you know they would know if the other one was trying to cheat. And so God bluffs; he's got nothing, and the Devil says, Ah, why did I let you bluff? And then they just had like, what I now know is a cheesy play on words, which is God goes, I put the fear of me in you, <laughs> which is, you know, the fear of God. Sure. I put the fear of God in <laughs> you. I didn't know that concept. I was pretty young. Yeah. I was probably like nine when I saw this. So I was like, God took his own fear and put it in the devil
1: uh, <laughs> to make the devil
0: lose. Oh. Wow. Wow. Turns out, no. It was a pretty crappy play on words.
1: I, uh, crappy? I don't know. I think it's pretty funny. Okay. But I like puns. All um, right. And plays on words. It was,
0: it was a very hammy pun. Oh, yeah. I'd say.
1: Absolutely.
0: That I just, I was like, you know, I just had like, there's a whole new book of the Bible now. Yeah. And it's, oh God, you devil. Um, another, so that's the idea that the God, that God can be the devil. Uh Uh-huh. The idea that. The Devil Could Need Mankind, came from the movie Two of a Kind. Two of a Kind was Olivia Newton-John and John Travolta's follow-up to Greece.
1: Oh, oh boy.
0: And it's really bad.
1: Yeah, I I believe it.
0: It starts with God is like a big ball of light voiced by Gene Hackman. And he tells four angels, two of which are Charles Durning and Scatman Crothers, that, you know what, he's going to just destroy the earth with another flood and start over. And the angels are like, no, no, don't do that. That was not my Charles Durning. Yeah. That was my Scatman case. <laughs> and so they start, like, pointing to people down on Earth, and they're like, well, what about him? He's good. And it's John Travolta who, like, robs a bank because he has loan sharks after him because he's a hapless inventor. And, oh,
1: God. This and Olivia Newton-John
0: excellent. is the is the teller, and but she keeps the money for herself, and then he goes after her. Then they start hanging out. And then, like, well, by this point... The angels made a deal with God and said, what if they sacrificed themselves for you know each other? Yeah. Um, wouldn't that be a miracle? and Wouldn't that save the world? So Gene Hackman, God is like, all right, you've got a week. <laughs> so meanwhile, the devil played by Oliver Reed, been in many good horror films and I think has been good and not good horror films. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, even if the movie's not good, he's always like the best thing in it.
1: Like Donald Pleasance, who I will talk about shortly. <laughs> okay.
0: Goodness. I know what you watched. Anyways, <laughs> so the devil keeps trying to interfere with the plans of the angels until they make it clear to him. They're like, hey, without humanity, it's just going to be you down here teaching evil to the animals. And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, hey, if you're the only one down here, then you're the only one left to remember God. Oh. And then later, third act twist, some uh, masked man takes Olivia Newton-John hostage. And it's up to John Travolta to uh, save her and jump in front of a bullet, which doesn't actually kill him. And then oh, it, it was just
1: the act of...
0: Of self-sacrifice. Yeah, uh-huh. So then Charles Derning runs into the devil, who he's known as Beezle. He yells about uh-huh. Always wears a very nice suit, which is pretty common for uh, sure. for the mini-devils. And uh, he kind of holds up like the, the black mask that he was wearing, implying, Hey, devil, I know it was you who just did this whole crazy thing so we could save the world. And the devil's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And they're like... Nod. (laughs) They just kind of nod to each other. Be like, I gotcha. Yeah. So, again, I didn't get to church much, but I'm like, the devil needs earth. Yeah. Without earth, he's lost.
1: (sighs) All these abstract ideas before you have building blocks.
0: Coming through HBO into my brain. Wow. Oh, and then after that, just to get back to Livy Newton-John and John Travolta. Hold on. I wrote wrote this winner down. Oh, boy. John Travolta just says to Livy Newton-John, God, this has been a crazy week. And she goes, Sure has. Then, holding hands, they both turn and face the camera. Freeze frame. No. Start one of Olivia Newton-John's three original songs over the credits. And the credits start with her song credits. Like, you know, usually song credits are like last. These credits started with the fact that she contributed three songs to this movie.
1: Okay. Wow. Yes. Weird.
0: Two of a kind, which Roger Ebert says... This movie should have been struck by a lightning bolt. (laughs) It's not very good, but it introduced a a concept of the devil to young Marshall here that uh, stuck with me. Yeah. I'm going to give you a third just for the uh, the trifecta. This is my favorite depiction of the devil ever, ever. Okay. It's in the movie Holy Moses.
1: Wow. You're just throwing a whole bunch of stuff at me today that I have never heard of.
0: Holy Moses, it came after Life of Brian and really didn't manage to live up to it, but it was a comedy. It was like a it's like a biblical comedy, but it was Old Testament. Yeah. But I'd never seen Life of Brian, so it was all very original and hilarious to me (laughs) and thought provoking. And I'll get into that. In Holy Moses, Dudley Moore plays Moses's brother-in-law, who thinks that he's the chosen one to uh, go and free his people from Pharaoh. Pharaoh, played by Richard Pryor. Oh! Yeah. There's a lot of great cameos in this. Dom DeLuise is a great cameo. <laughs> Madeline Kahn's in it. A lot of funny people from the 80s. Yeah. Including John Ritter as the devil. Yeah. I
1: can see that.
0: They are outside of either Sodom or Gomorrah. And a character has just been turned into salt. And Dudley Moore is just sort of sitting on a rock lamenting his salt wife.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And John Ritter shows up in just the standard like Halloween costume red cowl with like fabric horns a kind of a half cape and Mm -hmm. a pitchfork
1: yeah you've come to tempt me devil
0: man gives into temptation freely enough without any help from me thank you very much tempt me devil and you'll fail fine 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 just please sit down relax don't get tense i guess this one was a lot less of a mind blow uh, than the other two i I mentioned more of just how I would like to picture the devil. Yeah. I guess as just John Ritter in a devil outfit. who uh, <laughs> Dudley Moore asks, like, how'd you become the devil? He's like, it was very simple. God comes over to me and says, here, try this on. Oh, come on. Which also um, fed into my, you know, necessity for a devil. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, it's necessary. It
1: fits with the canon that I've already learned from so other much. movies.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's like, Sorry, John Ritter Devil, but uh, it's got to be somebody. Yeah. But what can you do? What can you do? Tears me up sometimes. So there you go. In place of church, I had three fairly forgettable 80s comedies.
1: Well, it seems that in all three of those 80s comedies, there was a devil character that contributed to the 955 IMDB credits for the character of the devil that existed a couple days ago when I looked at Did you just up.
0: type in the devil?
1: Yeah, if you if you type in the devil it'll bring up, you know, obviously some movie titles that include that, like the devil yeah. inside and all that, but then it'll say the devil character. So like, you can click on that and then it'll show you all the credits, all the, you know, projects that are listed on IMDB that have the devil as a character.
0: I, I only say this because most devil characters will go under a different name. Sure. In God You Devil, the devil is uh, Harry Tofit, mm-hmm. which I entered into an anagram thing on, online and came up with nothing spectacular. That's too bad. And then, you know, you got uh, Beasley in um, Two of a Kind. And then John Ritter was the devil. But mm-hmm. between the three of them, he's the only one that went as the devil because one of the marks of the devil in movies when he's personified. Is you'll have some kind of like clever ish.
1: Speaking of which, do you speak of the devil? Yeah. Do you remember Al Pacino's character's name in The Devil's Advocate? Yes. Go for it.
0: As John Milton. It was. Writer of Paradise Lost. That's
1: right. I don't know if which, this IMDb category... Um, I'm, I'm
0: glad I found that out, because otherwise I would have been trying to anagram John Milton <laughs> and being like, it must mean something. can't.
1: I think these credits try to encompass characters like that. Okay. But anyway, that's still a huge number. One of the earliest of which was in the Georges Méliès 1896 short film. A lot of people point to this short as being the very first horror movie ever, and it's called Le Manoir du Diable, which was actually a question at our horror trivia night. I was going to say, like,
0: <laughs> oh, I know this fact because yeah. I thought it was the black imp.
1: Which is also another Georges Méliès movie that features uh, the devil. Yeah, he, yeah it He was a popular, you know, character for him, obviously. So, I mean, I think it's worth noting that what many people consider to be the world's very first horror film featured the character of the devil. I mean, it's a classic character. It's usually either extremely comical, like in the movies you were just talking about, or it's really serious and kind of frightening, a la The Devil's Advocate, which, you know, 1997, it's Mm. one of my favorite. I mean, it's not the world's best movie, but it's long and sweeping, and so much of it's really pretty. I think it's really beautifully shot, and Al Pacino is just the World's best devil. I think he's my favorite.
0: Better than John Ritter.
1: I do love John Ritter, but I have a feeling who I know who. Let's would put win an
0: asterisk next to what you just. Said. I'm
1: just saying. <laughs> I, I, as far as being scary, he does a great job. He does that kind of jack of all trades you know incredibly charismatic he can speak every language he knows your innermost thoughts he makes you feel good about doing bad things all those aspects of the devil including sticking his finger in a pool (laughs) of holy water that's in the back of the church the you know container and it starts boiling as he stares up into the camera that is high above him on the ceiling um have you not seen this movie you must. It's,
0: it's been a little while, and the podcast, How Did This Get Made?, just released their take on Devil's Advocate.
1: No, I must go listen to this.
0: Run, don't walk.
1: I will be the first to admit there are many comical things about this movie, not the least of which is Keanu Reeves' horrible southern accent doesn't really work. And yeah, I love Keanu Reeves, but man, just. He does not act the hell out of this role. Let me just put it that way. But it's just, it's a really fun movie. It's got a really fun arc of, you know, he turns out to be Keanu Reeves' father, like, but he lures him in, you know, and then in the end, he tries to get him to, like, mate with his sister to create the unholy spawn of.
0: Sure. Which mathematically makes sense. If you want an antichrist, well, the devil and a woman. Just gives you half a devil. Right. But then two half devils, I guess, could make a whole devil between them. Sure. The math is there.
1: Yeah, a really disgusting, incestuous product of that, too. But yeah, I mean, there, there's so many really fun, like... I guess we talk about people really doing a great job of exploiting the tropes of a certain subject. I think the devil's advocate does that really well. All right. And Al is just delightfully evil and scary. I just love it. He's a great like, personification Like you of, think
0: the devil might be.
1: Yeah, because... Ultimately, it doesn't do the devil to be, wa- unless it's, unless he's in a comedy, it doesn't really do for him to be walking around with horns and a pitchfork. He needs to manipulate and win people over. Up
0: jumped the devil, dressed in white. Up jumped the devil, so light, And every time he turned around, up jumped the devil in a white nightgown. He said, son. Another uh, movie from uh, 1981 featuring the devil, Disney's the devil and Max Devlin.
1: Wow. Keep hitting me with things I don't know about.
0: Okay. Well, from the poster and if you pick up the box, you would think that Elliot Gould was Max Devlin, which you'd be right. You think Bill Cosby is a devil and you're like, that's great. Because this was slightly pre-Cosby show. So he was a wholesome comic. Yeah. By and large. But he is in fact Barney Satin, a souls manager for the devil. And you do get to see the devil though. He's played by um, the guy who played Barlow in the original Salem's Salem's Lot Lot. miniseries as just sort of a very sallow white guy sitting on a throne of jagged rock and he's referred to as the chairman because in this hell by the way again Disney movie there was no Touchstone Pictures everything Disney made came out under the Disney banner okay and Elliot Gould dies he's hit by a van full of Harry Christmas and then his (laughs) most of the movie is not scary but he has a descent into hell which is like just Red light and smoke and he's he's falling kinda of peacefully, kinda of like Alice in Wonderland. Just like, what's happening here? But all around him are other people falling, and those people are screaming. Ooh. Just the screams of the damned all the way down. <laughs> and then he finds himself in just like a boardroom that's in a cavern. A hell it's hell. It's, yeah. It's a hell boardroom. And like the table and all the chairs are just made of jagged rocks. Yeah. Where they tell him, like, hey, if you want to get out of here, we can send you back to Earth, and you can collect three souls for us of people we have picked, oh. of uh, of like innocent young white people, basically. And if you get all three of them to sign a contract selling their soul, then you can, uh, you can live. Oh boy! We'll return you up. Pretty dark. Uh, yeah, yeah. Now most of the movie from there is you know some slapstick, some like what's he gonna do now? But the actual trip. To hell was pretty over the top for a Disney movie, I'd say. Even 1981.
1: Um, can I take us forward about six years? Let's to the wonderful land of 1987, when John Carpenter made a little film called *Prince of Darkness*. Anyone close proximity. Has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A
0: change in the earth and the sky.
1: Have you heard of and or seen this film?
0: No. Okay. I mean, I've heard of it. I I, haven't seen
1: it. I I had never heard of it, I don't think, until probably just recently when I was looking for devil-type movies on Netflix and this popped up. And uh, I was like, wait, wait, John Carpenter, hold on. And I, mm. I'm a John Carpenter fan to an extent. I mean, I don't know all of his work. I love Halloween, but like a lot of his other stuff I could take leave, including at this point, <laughs> Prince of Darkness. Not great. Um, Well, you know what I noticed about it, th- the opening sequence, okay, this, this movie is, is an hour and 42 minutes long. The opening credits all told before the last once the last credit has finally come up, it's ten solid minutes into the movie, and it's all underscored by this like really horrible eighties synth music like it's you know creeping, but it's on a keyboard you know, sure. but it's like just a minute two minute spans, and then between there like you know it's a black screen with more more credits more names, ten solid minutes of the movie and I'm like. Wild if it just feels like so much buildup. And I was like, did John Carpenter do something right before this that, like, would make this movie kind of... You know, it just felt, like, really anticipatory. Kind of like, you've been waiting for this movie. John Carpenter's... I mean, the movie he sure. did right before was Big Trouble in Little China, which obviously, oh, I mean, like, a lot of people... A big deal. Yeah. So I guess maybe that could explain... It was, like, his next movie that was, like, another horror movie from him. And he just did this movie that was great. So So here's this huge... The
0: credits were just, like, acting like it was going to blow your socks off. Yeah,
1: totally. That's the impression I got anyway. Um, Notable things about it. First of all, I'm going to be really brief because there's no reason for me to go and launch into this whole elaborate plot. But the basics of it are that this priest dies and Donald Sutherland is also a priest. He's by his side and he leaves behind. I guess he... Some of these details are going to be kind of foggy because it was really hard to pay close attention to this. It just wasn't the world's greatest movie. But he leaves him a key to the bottom of this derelict church in downtown Los Angeles. All right. And he goes to the bottom of the church. And in the bottom of the church, there's all this religious text to sift through. And there's this big vat of green goop. Swirling. Like, it's like a liquid. And it's green and it's glowing. And it's this huge cylinder, and uh, Donald Suther—I'm Donald Sutherland. Wow, I guess Lost Boys st- lodged in my brain. Um, you,
0: you I mean, did say Donald Sutherland, not Kiefer.
1: I know, you but had I'm Kiefer saying on the th- brain? no. I had Donald Pleasance, and then when I said Donald, I thought Sutherland. I was like somehow you've been mixing, saying
0: Donald Sutherland like this whole time, mixing
1: the two. When?
0: Well, who was it? Donald Pleasance or Donald Sutherland?
1: Well, I've been saying Donald Sutherland the entire time.
0: Well, I'm going to have to go back and review the tape, but I'm pretty sure.
1: Okay. Well, then let's back this up a little bit
0: because I can't imagine. That ship sailed. So, Donald Pleasance.
1: Yeah. It's Donald Pleasance. I don't know. I've been... Wow. So, Donald Pleasance, who... We all know him as Dr. Loomis from Halloween. And when you mentioned an actor who's been really great and kind of the only great thing about a movie that otherwise... I mean, if you think about Halloween without someone as seasoned and great... And grounded as Donald Pleasance, then it's kind of hard to imagine it it might not have been as great a movie. Maybe it would have been, but, I mean, he's one of the best things about it for me. He's certainly the best part about Halloween, too. I mean, you know. Sure. But, and he's beyond the shadow of a doubt the best thing about this movie. He's kind of just the touchstone, the one kind of straight, normal, kind of, straight in the sense of, like, he's, you know, everyone else, their acting's kind of overblown. The storyline's ridiculous. hmm but it's this goo, and he calls together people he knows from like the neighboring college. There's a professor of philosophy, played by Victor Wong, who is in um, Big Trouble in Little China. He's, you'd probably know him if you saw him. He's got one eye kind of closed. He oh, sure, had yeah. hit some Bell's palsy early in his life. The actor did. He's a philosopher. And then there are some chemistry slash biology slash physics, all these grad students also. Anyway, he gathers together all of these academics to kind of do research, maybe try to test this goo and, you know, see what the deal is. Sure. But as they start, oh, and there are also religious students, like er, anyone who could have anything to say about what they found in the bottom of this church uh-huh. is there. Donald Pleasance is hosting them all and kind of like saying ominous things throughout all of this. And so there's a lot of imagery of like the green stuff coming out of the container and like dripping onto the ceiling which obviously they just filmed it upside down dripping down just some nice fun practical effects the makeup in the movie is really fun but basically the green stuff it gets one girl one girl's in there alone with it and everyone else is out of the room and she gets shot in the mouth with some of it and so then she gets possessed and then she leans over somebody else and shoots the green goo into their mouth and then they're possessed so like it's gradually it slowly takes over everybody but right. what i'm getting at is this green stuff is the is the devil
0: oh Whereas I've been bringing up movies where actors and actresses play the devil. That's right. And this, the devil is being played by...
1: By a green material that at one point they imply could maybe have been placed here by aliens and that the devil is some kind of an otherworldly kind of thing that like, really truly was not of this planet. I can't explain the Mm. weird places this movie goes with the plot. One really fun thing about it is, as they have all descended upon this church to start th- they're going to stay over the weekend like they're all going to sleep there and as they they go in they notice there are these like drifters it's almost almost like they're kind of right near skid row there are a lot of hobos right outside who kind of stand there and stare at the church and like as donald pleasance is going in it is this one woman stops him and she says it's so wonderful what you're doing father reopening the church And her voice does that weird, like, layered voice thing where it gets low and there's, like, three voices. And then she's got her little panhandling cup and he looks down it's full of maggots. Which begins an entire theme for the rest of the movie of people either getting devoured by bugs of some kind or there's worms on the window. Like, there's a whole lot of insect imagery. But the green goose slowly takes everybody over. Oh, and there are too many things going on. There's also, each person when they fall asleep has the same dream that is a video transmission that has been sent from the future from 1999 that the features, future of the 1999 that shows the front of this church with a dark figure, like in the archway. And like, it's like a warning and All you right. can hear, but it's of course it's supposed to look really futuristic, but it's like this grainy VHS tape from the future. Yeah, we, um, we
0: still have VHS in 99.
1: Yeah, it's true. so, I guess what I'm getting at is, there's no reason for me to really tell you more details about how this thing goes or wraps up.
0: You really lost me at Green Goo is the Devil.
1: Green Goo is the Devil. It's I, I, I'm lost, honestly. I mean, there's a lot of moments you might expect, like one of the characters after he becomes possessed, he's singing Amazing Grace and laughing maniacally, <laughs> right? Other things like, oh, for some reason, unbeknownst to me, one of the women becomes kind of basically impregnated in some way, like her belly's growing and her face is all messed up. And then she becomes the main channel and she needs a mirror to bring the devil through. And she picks up a compact, but it's too small because it's just this tiny mirror, like a makeup compact. So she has to find a bigger mirror. She finds a wall mirror, but it's just this comical image of this demon possessed woman or whatever, holding a compact like father and trying to like stick her fingers through it. And she, it's just too small. But in the end, The main heroine girl throws herself through the mirror to decide to take that demon with her so the devil can't get through. Blah, blah, blah. The best part about the movie? Okay. One of the hobo transients is played by Alice Cooper. Delightful. I don't know why. He... He does a great job of standing there with his, you know, they put pale makeup on him and standing there looking creepy. He, he does a really great job. He even kills one of the characters and one of them comes outside to find like a pigeon crucified on a tiny cross for no good reason. Um, and he's like, oh man, weird. And then Alice Cooper and a couple other hobos come and like stab him to death. So that's kind of, you know, All right. but I,
0: I little, don't. Little tick in the it's plus a very
1: confusing. Why is the devil a vat of green goo? I don't understand it.
0: Uh, I can't help you.
1: I guess, they, I guess the devil and, and other demonic people had, or entities had all been expressed by being a person, so they were like, well, let's try it this way.
0: In the movies I've watched, the devil usually has one of the following things. A business card declaring them to be the devil, <laughs> and a vanity plate that'll say something like "hot" or "bad." Oh boy! Probably devil in one. Yeah. Uh, the devil in vanity plates. Vanity being one of the uh, <gasps> seven deadly sins. Oh, I
1: didn't even make that connection in my brain.
0: I did after trying to um, bring some credence to this minor <laughs> detail that I kept noticing. I like it. Over it's and funny. over.
1: It's so that's so silly. But it makes sense, actually, though. It fits right in with the character.
0: I did uh, watch some horror movies. I watched Devil.
1: I am so curious. How was it?
0: It was all right. But it's like five people stuck in an elevator and one of them's the devil. Yes. So if I get into what they used to personify the devil, it would give away who it was.
1: Ah, okay. So I'm just going to skip that. Okay.
0: And move on to Angel Heart.
1: Keep going. Keep it coming with things I don't know about.
0: Angel Heart, 1987 with Mickey Rourke. Golden year. As a a schlubby, hard-boiled private eye who is hired by Robert De Niro. He plays the devil.
1: Robert De Niro plays the devil? Yes, he does. Lovely.
0: And he's he's hired to find like a, a crooner who uh, he says he had helped out. They had a contract. You know, ah. he figured it's so like a soldier soul and I'll make you a star kind of thing. But the guy's disappeared. And it's up to Mickey Rourke to find him. The twist is just enough of a twist that uh, I won't go much further into the actual plot. But the twist is not that De Niro is Satan. Because you know that right away. Okay, Because his Character has the greatest disparity between best devil character and worst devil name. His name is Louis Cypher.
1: Good Lord. Louis Cypher. Wow.
0: Louis Cypher. Louis Cypher. Good God. Right. Now, his character, he uh, took a lot of acting cues from Martin Scorsese, in that, like, he was sort of playing him as Scorsese. Oh, that's and that so silly. he had silly. the uh, 80s Scorsese beard. Oh, boy. And I guess maybe some of the mannerisms. A tailored suit. Uh, Scorsese, always a snappy dresser. Yeah. And then other touches, like his fingernails were a bit of a point and they were always getting a little pointier. E- he played them, like many of the devils, as just very gentlemanly and kind of reserved but well-spoken. Yeah. And anyways, the movie, um, it's, it's pretty good. And one of those kind of gems of, of the 80s that wasn't... Cooky enough to be remembered or groundbreaking enough to be remembered but just like solid for what it is uh now as far as martin scorsese as the devil he himself was at, at that same time was working on the last temptation of christ and when the devil comes to tempt christ in various forms one of them is a lion and according to the internet the lion which represents the temptation of having power is voiced by scorsese cool so two scorsese devils Something a, a lot of movies with the devils have that I've seen is at the end when they get all angry or almost defeated, they will take on their true form as the devil. In Witches of Eastwick, it's just a like a two-story demon with kind of Jack Nicholson's face. It's kind of stomping around. In Devil and Max Devlin, Bill Cosby, who plays the devil's helper, but still, uh, you get to see him with like red fur goat legs Eww. and like a red afro. And just just yelling.
1: Seriously? Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's a scary scene. Because he, oh, he's boy. about to be defeated. He's like, Max Devlin, if you burn those contracts, you will forever be damned in hell. And just goes on and on. Like, your limbs will be ripped from your sockets. Your flesh will be burned for eternity. The wonderful world of Disney will be right back. It's <laughs> messages. Like, it's pretty nutso for a, for a Disney film. And it, it's not a wonder that it wasn't. Very long after that, that they branched off and made touchstone pictures. They could do Down and Out in Beverly Hills and right. other more adult films. Yeah. However, in <laughs> in Bedazzled, oh boy, when uh, when he gets out of his contract by doing something selfless, that seems to be kind of the only way out of some of these.
1: Which isn't that ultimately selfish? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, the trick is
0: they don't know they're doing it. Got it. They think they're going to be be damned if they do this. Oh. Do it anyway, and then they go.
1: Way to go. Nice. It's kind of like the Willy Wonka moment at the end. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah.
0: sure. So, in that one, he's getting, getting that last threat from Elizabeth Hurley Devil, who for a moment looks like an actual demon, sort of, but that only lasts for about a second. She becomes giant, but not a giant demon, just giant Elizabeth Hurley in a bikini. Wow. Yeah.
1: All right.
0: That only gets so threatening, and then it just becomes awesome. Right. And it kind of becomes threatening again. Sure. I mean, what, what if awesome she again?
1: falls down on you? right it crushes you just all your bones crushed if she's a giant
0: Un- so. under her giant four under story boots under her booth.
1: giant breasts never let me
0: had a falling out violation a conscience His head in hard rain. All right, Kat, sounds like uh, we both learned a little something about the devil in movies.
1: Yeah, I learned from you that the devil is just one big farcical piece of nonsense.
0: And I learned from you, he's green goo.
1: <laughs> oh, God. That I guess really... green goo
0: is gender neutral. Yeah, sure. So I shouldn't call green goo he.
1: No, you can do that. Okay. It's all right.
0: I learned that he's green goo. He is. Um, All right, folks. Well, that brings us to the end of uh, episode number 12. Woo! So that means we've been doing this for a whole year? A whole year. Or will episode 13 mean one year?
1: I think 12 episodes in the can equals a year.
0: One year, everybody, of boys and ghouls. One year.
1: Happy birthday. And I guess you could call this the end of season one in a certain sense.
0: In England, they call Uh, it series one.
1: Series one.
0: All right. Well, thanks for uh, sticking with us, everybody. If you have anything you'd like to add or comment on, you can write to us at boysandghouls at gmail.com or drop us a line on Twitter, boysandghouls at Twitter.
1: And you can also find us on Facebook very easily. Just type in Boys and Ghouls Podcast. We're always posting really fun things. And if you want to stream the podcast, you can go to boysandghouls.podbean.com and and you can also subscribe to us on iTunes which I highly recommend.
0: Yes, please do and leave comments and let us know who you are because we know you're out there. We just don't know that you are out there.
1: Yeah, we love we love hearing from people which doesn't happen too often, but we know yeah. we know you're listening because well we I think we have four or five of our podcasts now that have crossed the 1000 listen threshold. Right? So, I mean
0: It's not just our moms over and over.
1: No, there's no way. They don't have that kind of time, guys. <laughs>
0: not sure my mom's ever heard any of these
1: my mom has she told me she's like two or three episodes behind but she listens nice yeah good times
0: all right so everybody thanks for listening and cat as always
1: beware the moon
0: beware beware
1: beware